pop culture podcast. Something doesn't feel right. The strawberry is moldy. <laughs> Just put it back. It might be time to throw that away. Blame it on the hot takes. Yeah. That's what you get when you shop at Publix. Yeah, that one's bad too. This one looks pretty good. I'll eat all the moldy ones. <laughs> uh, come on! It might be time to podcast. There we go. We got we got him on the same page there. Ain't that true? I'm double strawberrying it right now. We're four hours in. We're out of Clyde. It might be time to podcast. Oh, those kick drums. That's snare. Oh, Kevin. Why? You I'm like the bass? Turn the bass up. You like a kick drum? Want more kick drum? Turn the bass up. Why is that not like mass appeal popular on the level of like the less I know the better? I will it never will understand. It's not though. It got released you as a single and like no one listened to it. But yet. less I know the better didn't the, get the pl- it didn't get radio plays the, for like months. Until I just wait till it hits TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we till it gets sampled by a hip hop artist. That's what happened to a lot of stuff off that, that was gonna be my first thing I said. Wait till we, Rihanna does a one-for-one yeah, one cover of do, it. Do we do our introductions first before Rihanna, Rihanna samples glitter? And, Hello. And uh, welcome. And I'm Skimbleshanks. So we bought a mic, <laughs> a pop culture podcast. We're talking Dame Impala. Dame Podcast Ala. It's Tame. Tamesen Impala. Tame and Podcast. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See? I'm Ernest. This is what you keep me around for. I'm Hunter. I'm Daniel. I already said... <laughs> My fucking name. <laughs> the railroad crime. The cry on we're, the wet, rail, rail, train. We're really, uh, Ernie's like trying to like make moves on us, just bringing us out some nice strawberries. We were mm. just drinking alcohol. They're a little we're... moldy. They are definitely a little bit moldy. It's okay. They had some flavor to it. Like cheese is just mold. So it's pretty much like grabbing strawberries and cheese. They're aging right like it's a fine uh, strawberry yogurt, folks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's definitely mold. That's definitely. We probably shouldn't eat any of these, to be honest. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. If if you got a one that's I not moldy, you'll be one, fine. So I, it's too late now. Mom, I didn't eat any of these, just so you know. Ernie, you're turning green. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as the coronavirus. It might be time to puke. Mm-hmm. Well, how you feeling, boys, about this album? I mean, I'm in. I, I said up front. Uh, Kevin Parker is the extremely rare artist that you don't, even if you're not crazy about every single, I was not worried for a moment about this album. Mm-hmm. I just, I knew it would be up my alley. I knew that it's almost like, I think you should leave the show where I knew that even if a song didn't coalesce into a 10, I know that there is something to every song that just keeps me coming back. That's my feeling on this album. Danny. This is my favorite Tame Impala album. Whoa. Okay. That's the take. Man. That's the hot take. So we're only a few days into the release of the Slow Rush, and it's already the best for you. For me, I mean, last year or last decade, Currents was my number, what, three or two or something? Yeah. Something like that. Of the decade. This 
album is better. And this is, for me, I don't think a lot of things are going to be even come close for the year when it comes to this. Maybe for the next couple years. I have not stopped listening to this album. Same. Um, Kevin Parker, I was very worried when you released, what, four singles before this album came out? It might be time. Patience is not on the album. Uh, Borderline, Which makes me sad. I really like that song. Posthumous uh, Forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So four songs total. I was thinking, I've already heard half the album. The rest of it's got to be dog shit. I was wrong. <laughs> Did you even say Lost in Yesterday? Oh, so Lost five, in Yesterday. Five so songs, five, but four of, five only singles. four that came out on the album. Yeah. So weird, weird choice to release that one as a single, especially, you know, because it's such an album song. Yeah. But. Which one? Lost in Yesterday? One of my favorite songs. Wait, home. no, not Lost in Yesterday. I'm thinking of. Posthumous Forgiveness. Yes. The, the, like, yeah, the sad song. one about his dad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that part is so good. Yeah. Um, so, I will say, my first listen of this album, it was it was one of those things. I saw a tweet which kind of summed up my initial thoughts, and I've now come back around 180 on it. But only Kevin Parker could release an album that is a masterpiece, and I was still slightly disappointed upon it upon first listen. And I think that might have been the situation which I was listening to. I was listening to it at work with one earbud in. And they're like walls of sound. Yeah, you can't album. have like one it's in. kind of it's kind of assaulting to your ears the first time that you're listening to it and trying to take in as much as you can while also trying to multitask, like doing a job or something like that. Um, you gotta have two in. I, mm-hmm. I I can only have one in at my job. Um, nope. Got to be able to hear people yelling at me. No, um, I got the noise canceling business. <laughs> I don't fuck with that. You got to travel <laughs> I, uh, into the slow rush, but. I will say, like, this album now, I probably, I have not stopped listening to it. I've listened to it at least probably a dozen times at this point. Um, and I will say, I, I, it's hard for me to place this in the Tame uh, discography immediately. Um, I know, I think Drew is with me that Lonerism is my favorite Tame Impala album, and that's almost, like, untouchable. Like, I don't think that anything will come up to Lonerism. Well, at the very least, it would take years because that's what it took with Lonerism. Yeah, I could could understand that, though. But if I think if Currents was your favorite Tame Impala album, I think this one is better. So I will say that I am... I mean, this is all... I'm projecting towards the future because now with Currents, I've had years to sit on it and uh, like really fall in love with every element on every different song that album. But I, if I were to project ahead, then I would guess that Slow Rush, I think that it will surpass Currents, in my opinion, because I it takes so a lot too. of the themes of Currents and takes them to the next logical conclusion. I, I, I feel like this album is so much more consistent than uh, Currents. I think Currents has higher highs uh, with yes. songs like Let It Happen and The Less I Know The Better and even like ones that are kind of more dear to me like uh, The Moment. And I love Yes, I'm song. Changing. Yes, I'm Changing. Eventually and Because uh, I'm a Man. Disciples. So, and yeah, so them. there are moments that like just hit these astronomical highs. But now that I've taken this whole – it came out on Friday. We're recording on a Monday. Mm-hmm taking this whole weekend to dive into the slow rush every single track just hits a really just great level that doesn't feel like it's 
meandering or anything like that. And, and we'll get into we're going to go track by track. And there's at least like one or two that feel like maybe what you would consider sort of unfinished, not unfinished, but like sort of incomplete thoughts or something like that. But overall, the whole project just feels really cohesive. It's almost like a concept album without having like a big storyline to it. You're right. It's clean. That. It's clean. That's the thing. I think the only thing this thing lacks is a little bit of the lyricism. But other than that, I mean, every, the production value is insanely good. So you, layered. You know he worked so hard on this. And uh, there's a lot of different influences and like, it's just, it's such an incredible album. I think there isn't a skippable song on this album. There isn't a, when you're listening to this album through, you're never thinking, eh, let's go to the next one. You know? No, you always want to dive into it. And, and there, I will admit, there are some tracks that kind of like took me a little bit aback, you know, because, um, I mean, this isn't a huge swing from left field, but he is sort of in a lot of ways deviating away from rock and the, the psychedelia that, that really made him yeah. big. This is, a, in a lot of ways, a pop album. But it's not simplistic. It's not boring. It's not formulaic. It is a pop album with the detailed-oriented uh, perfectionism that he has been known for. You mm -hmm. know, so you do get these little snippets of, of rock and psychedelia in there that have been um, pr present in all the Tame Impala albums that we've heard before. But I think like this is the first one where it's like, OK, this dude is making big uh, borderline mainstream music. It's 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 for the masses on uh, this. Yeah, one. we're we're screwed if this makes it to the radio, boys. I don't. The thing <laughs> is, I don't think that the masses will respond very positively. But I agree that because with Kevin Parker at large, the the entire thing of him is where he's getting the influence from, like whatever piece of music he's making. Because Inner Speaker is the most easily traceable, obviously. Like, he's taking straight from 60s psychedelia. He's taking straight from, you know, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles or whatever. And all those million bands that popped up just to copy that one song by the Beatles. Uh, and then the reason Lunarism is probably still my favorite is that he's still drawing from that source. But it is so not even close to that anymore. It has become its own thing that exists outside of decade, outside of pure influence. And then with Currents, he decided to rein it back in and keep the 60s, but also incorporate some more 80s style synth pop. Like 80s, uh, there's a lot of, the hooks are arguably maybe catchier on that record, but uh, just like any tame record, like they, uh, the songs, even if there's an incredible hook in it, it's going to devolve into something that could not be on the radio exactly, because it's yeah. better than that. Well, so, but a point to that about the radio plays is that we were talking about wherever we came in on uh, um, It Might Be Time that that song should get radio play. But the song that actually has been getting radio play in Orlando is Borderline, yeah. which, mm -hmm. I mean, we'll get into it whenever we get to the track by track and everything, but like... That is a perfect radio song that can play on three or four yeah. different stations. Yeah. One of the things I wrote was and, that. Yeah, 
I that was a song that was easily my least favorite of the singles, and the new mix that he had of just bringing that bass line forward. It reminds me of uh, "The Less I Know, the Better." About how it's just it's very simplistic in the actual beat the main melody of the song you might even say it is repetitive to a certain extent in the same way you might say less i know the bears but it's just a banger and that's what good pop music is is that like it gets stuck in your head just well, that sounds, one little melody it sounds so much tighter on yeah. the album which i don't know like part of me prefers like the looser sound of the single version but listening to it uh the in this sort of one, yeah. yeah it's sort of like a remix it's like there's so many more uh, sonic elements to it. Like he, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if he added things, but maybe he made certain. I think it was mostly in things the mix. more prevalent. Yeah. Than like because that bass line is still in the main thing, but it's, but it's much more in the background yeah. of all the other Sonicscape. Which there are some songs in which there are certain melodies that do kind of get lost in the vast scope of everything. Specifically, thinking of. Um, uh, tomorrow's dust which is just like oh. this like wave of sound coming at you that you're like is that like a little bongo drum that i well, hear in there like what like you can kind of like have to think but with the new mix that they have for borderline of bring that bass line as the main hook of everything bringing that to the forefront i think well, it overall let's better. start at the top so first of all thoughts on the album cover I mean, title. it's obviously incredible. The Slow Rush is obviously a great name. Uh, it sounds druggy, but it is not necessarily druggy, a.k.a. the onus of Tame Impala. <laughs> <laughs> um, the The last thing I was going to say about this album at large uh, is, so we had 60s and we had 80s in the past. This combines both of those decades with a lot of 70s. Uh, and that explains uh, probably like half of what is different about this album from any other Tame album. Like, uh, the slow rush also can be seen as applying to the songs themselves uh, because a lot of them, and this isn't new for Tame, but they take uh, probably a couple minutes of repetition to lull you into like this sense of security with the song, and then they just absolutely go off into another direction. Uh, that is pretty characteristic. At least that initial repetition is disco. There's a lot of disco on this album, like a shitload. A lot of the and there was a little bit in currents. Yeah, definitely. But like this is tiny, like a tiny dose throughout yeah, the whole thing because there was uh, in the '80s there was still influence from disco. But this is just going straight to the source because a lot of these beats are like that, and a lot of them play off of disco in the same way that LCD Sound System does. I was gonna actually. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna bring them up whenever we get to the first song that like it yeah. sounds like if Tame Impala were to do a LCD yeah, sound the beats song are, is one more year. The beats have that feel of almost like they coalesced organically. Like they, It's like a lot of disparate elements that don't sound like they would be on the same track, but then they make one beat that's well, perfect. Even with Kevin's vocals on that song sound like something that James Murphy would do in an LCD sound system song where it's almost like spoken word yeah. at certain points. And the just looping like saying quality things. to yeah. it, how it builds. It's called One More Year, and this sort of kicks off the theme the concept of this album which is all about time every song on this album ties back to this idea of time and how we perceive it as humans and what it does to us you know this is something that i've I've heard him i've heard kevin talk about in interviews and even just listening to the album is something that i've been thinking about a lot is how time isn't really a real thing if you really think about it, like we've invented the notion of time, but it's still something that in in a way happens to us. Like we still d- deteriorate. We still grow older. We still 
see each passing rotation of the earth uh, and each revolution around the sun. We still perceive that. And uh, he's been able or at least tempted to capture that in this album and, and, and try to make sense of what happens when time passes by and when it starts to whoosh past you like a vortex. So you have one more year, the opening track, looking kind of forward, right? Looking at, 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 at a whole year ahead of you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to make of it? What are you going to uh, set forth for yourself and your goals and your objectives? And that's going to kind of lay out a lot of the themes in this album of what he expects from himself and from his career and his music. Um, one other thing that I wanted to say, um, not specifically to this song, but Kevin in a lot of interviews before this album's come out uh, has said that he, more than being a musician, wants to be the next Max Martin. Yeah, who Max Martin? Into pop music. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be the next great producer um, who just like makes people, makes other people stars and be more a little bit more in the background and. I think that throughout this album, he shows off the full range of what that means and what kind of elements he could bring to different artists. Because there are some real elements that I could see being used in a hip-hop song and sampled in that. Or just like being something like in a... Um, well, he's experimented with this. In yeah, the, he did in Travis the, Scott's uh, Skeletons. Yeah, he did some great song. Astroworld. He, he talked about doing uh, SZA's next album, I think. He's worked with Mark Ronson a lot, obviously, yeah. who's yeah. like a super producer. Uh, one thing I love about the uh, about this song in particular is, uh, it, you know, like I said, it traces back to disco, this one especially. Uh, there's almost no discernible progression in the song. It's really just based on that incredible like vocoder sample that's like yeah. the first two minutes and then that just keeps coming back. And then there's a bass line that's really sparse. Like you're just focusing on the beat and the words. And the drums sort of very slowly fade in. Yeah. And then they come in and it's like the main part of the song. And in addition, it's it's funny because these vocals uh, on this song and a couple others on the album are like the most stripped back Kevin's vocals have ever been in terms of like lack of effects. You hear the rawness, yeah, and still they have more effects than almost yeah. anyone else's. But you, vocals. if you, it's if the you same seen, effect though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the reverb sort yeah. of phaserness. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It sounds like he's putting his voice through a like a guitar pedal phaser loop. Yeah, but especially this, like... in this song, you can hear what he's saying so much more clearly than usual. Like I said in Lonerism, a lot of the time, I have no clue what he's saying. Right. And in this song, you know exactly what he's saying. I do think that's it what is, he wants you to hear. It is a little bit silly during the bridge when he's like, 52 weeks. Seven, Seven days, days each. A year. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we, we know. Yeah, that's that's what it is, Kevin. That's how we... Four seasons. <laughs> one reason. <laughs> one way. Once again, though, that's very LCD, though. Like, that. that's a James Murphy line yeah. that he would it's just like have It's like an ad-lib, yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. This, th at this point in the album, I was like, oh, no. Did I hear all the good songs already? Like, when, it, when he released one the singles? One track in. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, see, I disagree. I actually think that this is, it's right up there with Gotta Be Above It for my favorite intro song to a Tame Impala oh, album. Oh, Gotta Be Above It. Gotta, gotta Be Above It. it. Gotta so speaking of, of the drums on that song, which are unbelievable, um, Instant Destiny, the next song, Oof. it's solidified opinion that I've had for a long time, which is, I think, because Kevin Parker is like very openly not that great of a drummer, 
like like skill wise like there is a ceiling to what he's capable of doing but i think he might be my favorite drum producer of all time like i i can't really name someone that captures the sounds of drums but better on this album in particular more so than any of his other albums yep. he puts the drums front and center because yeah, it's always disco tries, it's about the beat in this album he always tries to hide them for some reason and in this album, he—it's almost like he's just like saying, "Like fuck it, yeah. put him on the front." And he, well, he's also—he puts it at the front line. And he's yeah. also a lot better at drumming than he used to be. Absolutely. Right. Like in this album, there's a lot of skill at play, but he is like it is incomparable how well his drum sounds that he captures. Which there are a million little choices that go into like picking the snare sound for any song. Every single song the drums could not be improved upon. Like they're literally flawlessly incorporated into this like giant track. So it's, it's just beautiful. My favorite thing about this song is in destiny is the chorus and how it immediately kicks in. I'm about to do something great. It's so fucking cathartic that I can feel already the moment when this song plays in his live uh, set list. Everyone just freaking the fuck out as soon as they go into well this it track. reminds me for that reason it reminds me a lot of disciples off of currents yeah. and of music to walk home by off of lonerism are like the two songs that this reminds me the most of where it's immediately it has like a pop sensibility to it all but if you do yeah. look into the lyrics like it is a little bit more dark like under but the it surface is about but love it is yeah he is hashtag married Hashtag wife. Hashtag I love my wife. Mm-hmm. Keep going. We're looking at you, Chance. <laughs> chance. Like, dude, the he... Chance feature on this song too is really <laughs> wild. That's what this song is all about. It's about that journey of like falling in love and like and 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 securing your your life with your love. It's it's love encapsulated in this track. Yeah, and it's funny that Chance came up because speaking of. Uh, and speaking of like the fact that he's almost showcasing some hip hop uh, proclivities in this album, I love synthesized horns, and I feel like they're not used enough in music as a whole. We use 808 drums, which are like, you know, 808s are saying, yeah, the, this is a drum machine and it sounds cool as shit. I want us to use other like real instruments on a keyboard like that because some of my favorite hip hop songs, Smoke Again, really yeah. fake horns on that track. And like Yoshi City by Young Lean, some of the best hip hop uh, production of all time on that song. Mm. Uh, this incorporates that exact same thing to it. And a lot of the beats on this album are a lot. They have like that sort of not necessarily hip hop, but like the root, like like almost funky solely, which again, roots back to disco. Well, it's almost sampled, right? It's like he's sampling his own drumming. Yeah. I mean, he loops his own drums. Yeah. yeah. So the next track is Borderline, which we um, already briefly mentioned, but this is a new version um it's tighter it's shorter i think it's better i agree with you hunter Mm. um it's better yeah it is definitely better in the sense that like there are certain elements that are more prevalent in the mix and that fucking bass line that comes in do 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 yeah it's so it's yeah and this is also one of a few songs on the album where the the uh reverbed keys effect would fit in on like a bg's album like it's like that it's that exact thing it's not like he's like he's not like doing an analogy to that he is using that keyboard (laughs) which is awesome um danny what do you think of this new borderline i mean I think this is going to be the big one that uh, makes it to the radio and blows up. I mean, my manager knows about this song, okay? That's how... 
Tame is, I mean, Tame is a, a name now. Like, they're Tame widely known. Yeah. And this was going to be a point I brought up after we talked about, like, went track to track. But do you think this is what propels him to, you know, being one of the artists of the 2010s and 2020s? Like, how we talk about all these old school guys like Beatles, Prince, you know, so on and so forth. Well, he's working from a dis. I mean, I think that he's doing. If he is trying, if he is going to achieve that, he's going the right route because rock music is dead, unfortunately. At least as far as like, I mean, I we love bands like Car Seat Headrest and stuff like that, but they aren't ever going to become household names. Of no, course, um, not. But like, if he's going more this route, and even if he is trying to get more into the production side of it, I feel like that is more of an angle in which we will talk about Kevin Parker whenever we talk about the other like master producers. Yeah, of our time. it's just it's it's tricky because there aren't a lot of producers that like I. My mom doesn't know who Rick Rubin is, but she's yeah. listened to 20 albums that he's made. Well, here's, you know? here's what might happen, looking at the the 2020s in general, is he starts off the decade with this album, and then he spends the bulk of the decade working on other people's albums, like really yeah. having his behind-the-scenes craft honed in. And then before the decade ends, he comes in with another Tame album, and it's this glorious just fireworks explosion of talent that hits the full-on mainstream uh high-end high-life shit that's what might happen i mean i would love to get more than two out of him this decade but that's so you're thinking this next album will have features yeah maybe that'd be very interesting because another thing that's a little bit in his way is his voice isn't particularly uh radio it like, sounds it the doesn't same it's not radio time. normative yeah it's like it's like falsetto pretty quiet in the mix like that's yeah. not what's on the radio and if he wanted to be on the radio he knows what he has to do like he's a smart person exactly um but yeah so next track is posthumous forgiveness which i it's only grown on me and i already loved it when i first heard it but it seems to me it sticks out as like the most unique track in the well, whole album it it's the one that so most different. directly draws from 60s especially the first two minutes of course that is a 60s mm-hmm. rock song like the wah, wah, wah. It, it almost starts just like Redbone. yeah um, no, that's that, what I was gonna yeah. say. Was that that's what it initially? Yeah, that guitar riff is and very before similar. before it segues into like its second entire almost entirely different section, you get that really forceful the, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, yeah, just like just really intense beat that persists on that. There's nothing else like that in the whole album. There's nothing else that sounds like that, and it really pretty early on. I mean, we're talking about track four here. It kind of takes you by surprise and in how intense. It, well, this, it's this almost thing can get. it's kind of unsettling. Like well, that, yeah, that dark, lyrics. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. The lyrics combine with that synth riff, which is very you know, it's like going against everything the song has established, and like it's fucking loud. <laughs> well, like I, it, it almost like freaks you out a little bit, and then you go into this like really dreamy tune afterward. Well, know? and before we get to that, I going back a little bit to Tame Impala's like kind of their roots how they started i mean we talked about how the massive beatles influence that they had the cadence that's in the bridge where it's just that building cadence of and you could store an ocean in the holes and yeah, of like that building beatles. is so <laughs> beatles it's so so like classic like sergeant peppers era beatles that kind of cadence that he would have in there and then, um, part, and then two. part two which is a completely different song and just this 
really sweet and beautiful song, a really sweet and beautiful landscape of a uh, sound. This whole thing is about his, his dad. Father. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about his dad. Uh, he died of skin cancer in twenty. 20- yeah, and uh, it's fucking sad. I mean, it's basically just saying like his. His dad was a shitty dad, you know. Well, it's it's not just that; it's that he he feels like he never got that chance to actually connect, full on connect. Yeah, this is the the honey boy of the album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, yeah, the main part is just a boy with a father. What I'd give for another, like mm. it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, well, I mean, he just like the whole thing was just like you know maybe now would have been the perfect time for us to connect because it's like I'm actually successful and I want to see like the good things I've done. Damn, you know. It's rough, man. I I actually because I hadn't pulled up the lyrics for the song before, and I mean talking about the Beatles cadence before, and the outro of the song is "Want to tell you about the time I was in Abbey Road." Oh, <laughs> like it's nice. it's literally talking about the Beatles. Like, but yeah. he wants to tell his dad about that all he of had that. this moment there. And yeah, I mean that's the whole it. going back to the theme of time is like if you're really in this moment with KP when you're making your fourth album as this uber successful musician and you think about like what it could be like to have your father there to share this moment with you and to not have that. That's what this song encapsulates is like that, that really sort of down sad feeling of like, damn, I'm so successful. I've made it. But my but dad I, has no idea. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, the song is called Posthumous Forgiveness. So it makes you like, it. he doesn't go yeah. too into it. But like, what is he trying to forgive his father yeah. well, for? At the, end, at the end, he goes, you're a man after all. I want to say it's all right. And I know you have your demons. I got some of my own. I think you passed them along. Like, mm. damn. It's dark, man. Well, he, he Canceled. Is, <laughs> I mean, he is struggling with a lot of sort of borderline self-esteem issues consistently i I don't want to say that he's like super uber negative but kp is like not super hot on himself a lot of times yeah you gotta wonder like he he definitely downplays his success like how good he actually is yeah exactly he doesn't think he's anything special i will i am happy i mean he does seem like he's in a better place than he did on currents which the most popular song on that album is Less I Know the Bear, which is a song about just like waiting around for maybe a girl to fall in love with you. It's like, it's just like this very poppy song, but you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh God, this is so sad. Well, man. it's also like, about go like, outside. it's also about your girl like cheating on you. Yeah, about like you cheating don't on know you and you're it. just like, yeah, uh-huh. no, just don't tell me about it. Yeah. Like, I'll just live in my happy place here. So, next up, track five is like kind Banger. of the, arguably the runaway great track this of the is album. my favorite song on the album Breathe we deeper. haven't gotten to mine yet but i, I mean i i won't say that this is my full-on favorite but this one has i think has the biggest chance of the non-singles to like come out as as a really standout yep uh popular track it's breathe deeper uh it has so many intricate sounds layers of synths and and other instrumentation that just it feels so 
well, dense. I love, love, love the keyboard that he uses here because there is like this like kind of it has the heavy bass to it too, but like that juxtaposed to almost like there's reverb on the pianos, but it's like almost it's very clean. It's more clean than you get on most Tame Impala songs. Yeah. This very pretty well, like it's, mel- raising melody. It's the key it's the the keyboards that sound like legit real piano juxtaposed with the super effects laden synths mm. on top of each other especially like at the end yeah <laughs> the exactly last, the last like maybe 45 it, seconds it, it, uh, there's there's that little lick that it's like the him running up the piano the do 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 yeah like that is i could oh yeah it's great. i love that it's great shit. shit it's like yeah it's like one of the three catchiest songs on the album like easily like it's it's super 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 catchy um it has that like repetitive nature of disco and then you get the yeah. payoff at the end where it's like, oh, okay, it finally, like with a lot of Tame songs, like you wait and then it becomes something that's like nothing you've ever heard Well, the, the last sort of 60-ish seconds is almost a different song. I feel like this, there is a chance that if this song does get popular, then they will just make a radio edit of it. The song yeah. that, Six would and a half out, song or that would cut out the last minute and a half where it gets... Yeah, it just gets like super effects, and it, especially I mean, from this leading into tomorrow's dust, which is what I'm talking about. Whenever I said the wall of sound to begin with, it really begins at the end of this song. Is just like this sonic wave is just hitting you from both sides I, while you're listening. I will to say, it. if I had to nitpick, I feel like this song is an example of this album feeling a little bit. I know I use like the word kind of incomplete before, but that's kind of like the thing that comes to mind is like those 60 seconds at the end of breathe deeper. Like, why can't we just get a whole nother song that's building off of that idea? Why does it have to be this tiny little snippet? Like outro. Yeah. Like it, it just kind of makes me feel like, God damn it. KP. I know you got it in you. Just (laughs) give us like, a fucking one and a half that, hour I do, album. I do That's wonder, happened a lot for me with Tame's entire discography. I'm like, give me a little more. And then I'm like, wait, well, no one else can even give me that. So, yeah. you know, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it right now. I do wonder, like, if there were B-sides to this album. There's, like, if I, it, I mean, with I'm, Currents. I, with Currents, he, there were B-sides. This, yeah. I mean, he worked on this album for five years. There has to be other songs that just, like, didn't make the cut. I will yeah. say, a little bit of a sidebar here. As much as I absolutely love the single Patience, it's hard to figure out where it would fit on this album. It's understandable yeah. that it didn't go on maybe to this towards album. The end. I put it towards the it end. It would have to be like maybe right before Glimmer or I, something, but it's hard to find like where it fits in sonically I with this love album. Patience. I so do, do I. too. Yeah. It's probably just a song just to tell his fans to be patient for the yeah. album. Yeah, no, that's exactly yeah. what it ended up being was just yeah. telling his patience. Like well, give us how six does it has it been that long? <laughs> so next is Tomorrow's Dust uh, with this this guitar at the beginning is just freaking acoustic beautiful. little yeah. lick. Oh. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, like this little, little arpeggiation. We don't get a lot of acoustic in Tame Impala. Never. No. Maybe like almost none. <laughs> and this is like, uh, I was, I keep on drawing back to the 70s. This is like Kevin's take on almost yacht rock, like verging on like Steely Dan <laughs> crisscross shit. Um, but. The thing is, no matter how beachy it is, no matter how like bongo heavy the beat is, uh, you get that like the old school tame overdrive guitar over the top of all of it, and it's like the loudest part of the song. 
which is such a cool addition. I like, mean, I, I don't, I couldn't think of that working in my head. You know, I couldn't come up with that. Whenever you talk, I mean, just normal music that we're just that most people you <laughs> normally listen to it'll have like either like it'll have a drums and then maybe like a bass guitar like actually driving home the actual the main beat and rhythm of the song but this there really is like six or seven at least different instrumentations that that's why i'm about just like that you do have you have a real drum kit you have a synthetic drum kit you have bongo drums you have a bass you have just this overdrive guitar in there like there's so many just that really heavy overdriven guitar and then his vocal coming in with that cadence the i was blinded by a memory just kind of swinging back mm -hmm. and forth and like really driving that sort of pendulum uh, that comes with sort of the yacht rock feel of this thing. And the lyrics, man, like this whole thing is about just letting go. That's what he's trying to say is like just it's 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 yesterday. I just love I love the metaphor of the air of today is tomorrow's dust. Yeah. Like it's literally just like mm. it's going to be nothing tomorrow. Which is probably a big deal for him to arrive at that thought because if he is so perfectionist and he's so adamant about the little details, it's probably a big deal for him to say like, look, just forget about it. Just let it pass. So this is his way of saying like live in the moment. Don't think too much about it let it let it pass let it be something that just happens i think it's a beautiful song i think it's uh it's one of the ones that kind of caught me by surprise you know that you've sort of listened to it on first listen and you're like yeah yeah sure whatever and then after like the third or fourth listen you're like oh my god this is like really special yeah i just remember that this the beginning of this song was the teaser for the album and it wasn't any oh, of the wow. it wasn't any of the singles. And then when I heard it, I was like, "Yes, he released it! Yes, oh yeah!" The guitar lick, <laughs> yeah, it was in the so teaser. good. Yeah. Next, we got on track. I love on track so much. See, this might actually be one of my least favorite songs on the album. This is a fucking awesome song. <laughs> I don't know. I just maybe it is because it's very it's more straightforward than most Tame Impala songs, and maybe that's why is especially coming after Tomorrow's Dust, which is like this very sophisticated layered sound that this is like kind of just straight, just hard hitting. And I'm not saying that. I mean, I say it's one of my least favorite. It's still a great song. Yeah. I like it better than the other like poppy songs on the album. Well, most of them, I like it better than borderline even, which is another very straightforward, like, you know, verse chorus bridge, blah, blah, blah song. Uh, Cause this does take a minute to unfold. It has like really slow piano starting it in a, first of all, in a whole different key in the very beginning, it's like a record playing almost in reverse. And this is another example of the, the rhythm, the drums fading in slowly, like yeah. a minute into the song. Yeah. And then it has probably the one, I mean, one of the catchiest hooks that Kevin has ever written. Like yeah. it's, it's immensely good. Up, still on track. Yeah. Like that, that is an earworm. That'll get stuck in your head for yeah, days. It is very catchy. It's very like, I mean, I don't, I don't mean this to sound like diminutive or anything like that, but like the lyrics all throughout 
this song uh, rhyme a lot more. Like they have more of a basic rhyming structure than most Tame Impala songs. It's trying to go poppy. No, it's I know. And I, again, I'm not being diminutive by. I'm just pointing out that like it is very different than a lot of the other songs that are very sophisticated on this album. That this is kind of just a down the middle pop song. Well, like he this is... could have been. I would if he wrote this song in like fucking Ariana Grande sung it or something, I would not be shocked. I could imagine a world in which that would happen. Well, he is, again, trying to rail a little bit on this theme of being in the moment and not thinking too much about it. Like, being on track, like, he is reminding himself of the the track that he's putting himself on and, and the idea of, of looking at his, his career in perspective and, and not feeling like he is derailing himself you know he is on track to be a fucking superstar i mean yeah one well, the, the end of the second verse is i know it's been a slow year nothing much to show here i didn't really go for it so not a lot to show for it like it's it's like uh, yeah and i think that that's, that's something that he is probably always thinking about and always reminding himself about it's like dude you got this you're doing the right thing you can keep going and, you know, I've, I've talked about, like, how I, I feel like his – some of the underlying themes of some of his lyricism is that he feels like he's not on track and that he needs to rethink his entire approach to his career and everything. But that's just him working through those feelings. And he's giving us that insight, that little bit of, of, of deeper um, – look at what's happening in his head that even though he might have these feelings of fucking up that that doesn't mean that it's everything's going to be derailed um so next song we got is lost in yesterday which actually might be my favorite song on the album well i was gonna say this is kind of becoming my favorite single that like over it might be baseline. time like it's so good it's so so catchy boom it's so good so fun I, I thought this would be the really popular radio hit if, if it was I, could hear it. I could hear you, it happening with give it a little a time i think that it might be time for lost in yesterday <laughs> to hit it it's actually one of my uh, least favorite on the album uh a good amount a good reason why is that uh it doesn't fit super well for me uh it sounds like a currents b-side to me which is still so i would listen to uh three hours of currents b-sides like it's still an amazing song but the beat in particular is pure 80s that's an 80s beat and i was really enjoying like being in a world of like 70s like slowed down disco slash yeah like you know that whole vibe and this is goes to a whole different uh, uh arena for me not that it's a bad thing it's just if if I were to take a song out to make the album more cohesive, it would be this one. Have you guys seen the music video for this song? No. no. It's pretty great. It's like uh, made to look in one continuous shot. And it's like circling around this wedding party. And every time it makes a full circle around, the party has completely shifted. And it's almost like it's shifted decades. Like people's uh, attire looks completely different. And uh, Tame Impala is the wedding band at this wedding. Oh, so awesome. you see KP and his boys playing the song. And it's really well done. It, it puts you in the right groove for this song. And I just, I think that this song is, 
I, I again, I think a, a big part of this album is him putting himself more in the limelight, putting himself more in the spotlight, and really pushing himself to accept his um, popularity and, and, and his place as, as this kind of superstar. And this song is like, lyrically and and vocally it's like him pushing himself i know you you just mentioned uh drew about how he like he has this tendency to put his vocal track a little bit more in in the back uh in the background and i think with lost in yesterday he's kind of like making the effort to put it more in the foreground and really elevate his vocal performance on this thing. And yeah. I, I think it pays off it's, really, yeah, really it's, well. It's definitely one of the poppier songs he's ever made. I still think that even after this album, The Less I Know The Better is still easily the most straightforward pop song he's ever made. Uh, the problem is, so back then, following Lonerism, there was no uh, like universal campaign to get tame. No one thought that they would become poppy. Right. So when that came out, it took probably a year for it to become easily tame's most played song on any streaming service. Uh, and now people expect poppy. Uh, and this album delivers a good amount of it, but I'm glad that he didn't go full on because he could have and he could have become the spotlight of like the most popular act. And this is a lot more restrained than any pop that is on the radio. Like mm -hmm. I, I catch glimpses of radio pop very often and it sounds nothing even close to this. It is, but I, I actually think that this might be the best vocal performance that Kevin Parker has ever given in a song. In this song? Yeah. yeah. I yeah, think that no. like he doesn't have to do a lot with his it voice plays. modulating it and like he kind of shows off his range a little bit where like the verse is more in that lower key and then he can still kind of show off that falsetto in the chorus. Oh, yeah. definitely. L Lost in Yesterday sounds like the moment part 2, which okay. is probably why right. I like it so much. Yeah. yeah. I can hear that. I it's, love the It's moment. a little bit more kind of upbeat, a yeah. little bit more propulsive, but I could totally see that. All right, next we got Is It True? Oh, the drums, dude. Talk about a good groove, man. I've mm. been drums and the boom, bass riff. Boom. Yeah, I've been gravitating a lot towards the bass work that he did in this album. And this song, holy shit. Oh, that's fucking great. So See, that's, punchy. that's pure so 70s punchy. right there. That is like an earth, wind, and fire riff. Yeah. Like that is so clean. And it's like, it's one of those riffs where you're like, oh, no one's done that before. <laughs> like it just sounds like it's been in my head my whole life. Yeah. Um, which is. And then he's coming in with ultimate the, is compliment. it true? Is it true? Tell me now. Yeah. A lot of r synthesizers that are not at all similar to one another on this track. There are probably four different sounds that are coming out of left field. Yeah. I mean, and they all work. Him, you can see him just surrounded yeah. by different and fucking Like synths. some of them sound like kind of like vocal samples that were turned into, you know, keyboard, like MIDI style keyboard yeah. things. Uh, they all work together. And it's one of those ones where it's like, how do they work together? I don't, I don't even understand it. To my point earlier about like imagining the live set, this one in my head just feels like the one that it just turns into a dance party, man. Mm. Like everybody just vibing to this one, just like a dance hall. Especially uh, even like with the outro, how it just kind of like goes down. It goes like up a little bit. The yeah. Uh, so fancy. All right. I think it might be time. It might be time. It, it might, might be time. It might be time. <laughs> it might be tame. It might be time to podcast 
It's the song of the podcast. Um, I'm on record about this song already. I, I think it's one of the. It's, it's not. There's no objective best song that Tame's ever put out, and this isn't obviously is not the best song Tame's ever put out. But it's one of my top five favorite songs Tame has ever put out. It to me, this is what I think of as pop. Here, here's why I think this is so resonant for you. The drums on this song, yeah, this are is impeccable. Yeah, I, I've said this. the The drums are so fucking loud in this song. The way he makes <laughs> the snare sound, I've never yeah. heard that shit. They, before. It, it's a pop. Like it's they are in the spotlight of the song. And in addition to that, yet another seventies imported synthesizer. It is super tramp. Yeah, uh, keyboards. Oh yeah, it is pure seventies super tramp keyboards and. I, I love uh, the idea of because like you have a cheap keyboard. Of course, every, you know, really famous artist has the most expensive shit out there. But in this case, you can hear it because you hear the weight behind the keys when he's playing it, even though it's an electronic keyboard. When he's playing the chorus riff on the keyboard, you can hear him yeah. fucking slamming on the keyboard. Ba, 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 yeah. Ba, 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 like that is an expensive fucking synthesizer <laughs> to capture the weight of his fingers like that. It, it just is gorgeous to me. Uh, so here's a lyric from this song. Cause I just want to keep the stream alive for now. Don't they know nothing lasts forever? Ooh. Thoughts? Oh. So <laughs> we should, uh, for a little bit of a uh, background, there was a night when we were all at a bar together, just drinking, having a merry time. After this single came out, and Ernest was just like, "I think that Kevin Parker's done with music. I think listen to the lyrics of it might be time. I think he's telling us it might be time that he gives up music." I don't think that's the case. I think that. Well, I don't think he's like I said that night. I don't think he's going to give up music. I think that this song is about his inner turmoil and his inner thoughts. Of wanting to quit. That's what well. I think that it's like it's him trying to it, work through. I think that. that it's my. It might be time to face it. Is it might be time to like look at your own anxieties and everything and like try to beat them. That's a theme that's throughout this whole album. Yeah. Is like try to where like currents. As much as I love it for how personal it is, a lot of it is kind of hiding behind the veil of depression. It's same with lonerism, too. It's using this as like a defense mechanism where, especially on this song, it's him coming out triumphantly against it and saying, like, no, you have to face these demons inside of you. I th yeah, I think it's most about anxiety, which is basically this is essentially what you guys kind of intertwine yeah we we kind of agree on it but i think the anxiety is about the lifestyle that he's lived and Partying. that you have to live to you know supposedly be a star i think he's saying that he doesn't have as much fun doing all of those things you know all of the soy lent uh, uh that you know it took to make lonerism way too much too <laughs> and much yeah and just, yeah that entire <laughs> lifestyle i'm i think he's saying like i'm i'm now realizing that's why the uh the prevailing like kill bill style synth sounds like an alarm it sounds like hey time is running out like come on like you gotta you know what i mean it's him realizing that there is an end date to like this being a viable life for him to live like he needs to kind of chill out a little bit yeah are well, you were you talking about what uh what he said on spotify to there's literally a thing on genius the little storyline yeah it says a message from your this is from kevin parker 
A message from your negative thoughts. Give up now. It's over. The seeds of doubt are hard to unsow, randomly appearing throughout the day, trying to derail everything that usually feels natural, used to feel natural. You finally found your place. They can't take this away from you now. Yeah, I, I feel like that's definitely him just trying to to push that he anti-anxiety, that? Yeah. that anti-anxiety message of like, again, it's like I've been saying, like he probably has a lot of... You said he was going to kill himself. <laughs> yes. That's what you said on my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, on Danny's birthday. (laughs) You busted me. He's like, hey, Danny, happy birthday. Your favorite artist, Tim and Paul, is about to kill himself. (laughs) Yeah, Danny's going to face it. I mean, to be honest, I thought the first time I listened to it, I thought it might be time to face it was like him like realizing like I'm getting older. I'm married now. It might be time to like stop doing copious amounts of drugs. I mean, it ain't (laughs) as fun as it used to be. You're not as cool as you used to be. Like you're getting older. I'm just like doing mushrooms and walking around los angeles like maybe might be time to cut back on yeah that. but then when you take into account how he said before that he i don't know recorded like over a thousand takes of a vocal track on currents mm. and that at a certain point that album was unlistenable to him because he'd worked on it painstakingly for so long like it starts to track that those anxieties and those pressures and and those efforts to be perfect have a toll on how he views his own music and his own career path. Yeah. And that there's a little voice inside his head telling him like, hey, maybe the answer to this is just to not do it yeah. anymore. Well, this plays into, you know, no great man has a great father thing of like he will never be enough for himself. And it's not because he's not enough because he is enough for all of us. Um, and that also that theme leads into uh, Glimmer because that is like the unfinished track of the album. Like not even in like a mean way. Like it just is an unfinished track. Which is such a bummer because goddamn is this song fucking catchy as shit. It's a, like, it's I a just, disco bop. I just want to. I can't. This is the song that I think that somebody will slow down and use this as like a beat to a song. Like yeah. without a doubt. It's so goddamn catchy. I just every time I put like I just hear it, I just want to start grooving yeah. like in my desk. Like, yeah, this is this is such a banger. It's dancey as fuck. It has that that little interlude with the two guys going like, "Oh, bass, uh, cool. You want to know? I'll make the bass better. Crank the bass up." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a good song. Uh, I was saying before we potted, I'm not. I'm typically not crazy about when an artist will throw in an unfinished track on an album just to be like, Hey, and also here's this, um, a little Lucy. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't bother me much on this album because this is a tight album. Like, you know, if this were an album with like five of these and like, and like four songs that are too long, then I would hate it. But it's, this isn't that album. He he just probably really liked the little, the little ditty he came up yeah, with, the he, little loop. Exactly. He was like, you know what? It might be time to release it. Like, there's, <laughs> well, you know, I, <laughs> it's, I'm never going to like it that much. It's Let probably, just... yeah. I mean, he just made it as like an interlude, which mm. is all that it is for the album. Like, it is it is an unfinished idea. Yeah. He, he has a couple of like minute log segments on the album where it's just like you can hear the music from the album in the background. It's just people talking over it or something. Yeah, yeah we, that's like on, it, um, on uh, Breathe, Breathe Deeper. Deeper. It's on yeah. Tomorrow's Dust. It ends with the woman talking and you can hear the song from the album yeah. behind it yeah uh so yeah you know it plays into themes <laughs> yeah well so, I, I i think it's it's more so again that idea of of time and like wanting to encapsulate it you know as it's whooshing past you you just want to 
you want to grasp that tiny little bit of it. So who knows what was going on in his life when he made the little hundred seconds that we hear on Glimmer. Like maybe there is this more significant uh, meaning to it that we don't get because we're not Kevin Parker. You know, he put out a, an Instagram post this weekend where he put a, a picture of the album and said, this is what it all amounts to. Years of blood, sweat, and tears all in a cardboard sleeve, 57 minutes, and that's it. Nothing else matters. Speaking of albums that are going to sound really good on vinyl. Yeah. But <laughs> all that, and Paul but that idea <laughs> of, like, of like him thinking about it in that way, of like putting insane amounts of work into something that just boils down to these 12 tracks and that's it. Like everything that was going on in his life, everything that he was laboring over, because again, this is one dude. One dude made all the shit that we've been talking about on this podcast. So, I mean, we haven't even gotten into it yet, but my favorite song on the album is the closing track. Yeah. One, more one more hour. It's a slapper. That is, I think, that that's, I think that's one of the best songs that Kevin Parker has ever written. It is, I think that this song is so good, and the way that this builds to a conclusion, talk about the drums on this track, like, they don't come in for, what, like, a minute plus into the yeah, song, and then you just do the, dun, 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 dun. I really think, I think that this is actually the best Kevin Parker vocal performance that he's ever given out a song, because he is carrying it, just him and this one keyboard. Yeah, it's and after we've, pretty after bare. we've spent the entire album with all these sonic complexities, how we just have this very stripped down version, and then it kind of escalates. It's really like you were just on a roller coaster in this song, where it's just building, building, building to a climax, and then we finish where we started, just with that one keyboard. Yeah, playing. and it yeah, and it's not an end. It's like a fade out, right? Yeah. yeah, and that plays into the theme of not just this album, but All Tame, and really just one of the central themes of Psychedelia is like the theme of uh, fractals in everything. Fractals in music. Yeah. Every... There's no definitive end to a record. Like, and that uh, that works really well for me. This isn't my favorite song on the album, but I like it as an end because it's not the one that a lot of people might think. People might think that a song like Posthumous Forgiveness would be the end, you know? And he chose one that does not feel fully conclusive because he's not done. Well, this also, this song has like the two sides of Kevin Parker in it where the verses is just like, how could I ever love again? It's just like, lose her, move her. And then the courses, as long as I can spend some time alone, as long as I can be the man I am. Like it really is. him just like, you can feel the inner conflict that he has in this song. Unlike anything else that he has ever, but it's out. also, it's also looking back, you know, like mm -hmm. when one more year, was looking ahead at what was to come one more hour is looking back at what has happened what he's accomplished what he regrets what he holds dear you know lyrics like i did it for love i did it for fun i did it for fame but never for money not for houses not for her not for my future children until now so it's also that element of like he's not scared of the future yeah man. it's like a turning point yeah yeah he almost he the only thing he hates about time is that 
it puts limits on time <laughs> like that it is lit- by definition a limit like he wants more all the time that plays into perfectionism but also plays into like wanting to live more yeah wanting i mean more life out well of yeah life. it's this whole idea again it goes back into the whole idea of the theme of time in this album that it is just this construct that we've made but we all still die. We age. That is time in itself, is that we are still... Exp- like, you cannot... Time is inescapable. It is interlocked with everything that we will do forever as long as we exist. Yeah. And so speaking toward Kevin's future after this album, uh, that's the reason I appreciate this so much, because he does want to get into pop production, but... He also wants his own work to stand as its own. He doesn't want to make just pop records. And this is a Tame Impala record. It, it exists outside of space and time. It is like its own thing. Yeah. There will never be anything like it, and there never has been. Uh, if you want to hear what his pop sounds like, not only, like you mentioned, the Travis Scott, he put out a remix of uh, Miguel's Waves, and it became like a hundred times more popular than the original song, which is awful. I'm not a huge Miguel fan. I like a couple of his songs, but that it sounds like Tame Impala, but with a singer that you would actually hear on the radio, not like a, you know, a more light falsetto singer. Uh, and it's great. It's not as good as this, <laughs> right. but it's, it sounds like good fucking pop music. So it doesn't matter what he does. I'm excited for it. I want him to do both. I want him to make his own shit and make other people's shit. In terms of the, the Tame Impala canon, do you guys feel that this fits more in with what's come before or does this signal like a new chapter? Um, I think that this is, I mean, I think that Currents is very appropriately named because I think that that is the currents of what was to come in a wave. And I think that this is more of the soundscape that he will go for. Currents was the new chapter. Currents was this the chapter. Is the this is a continuation of it, which is why I think that my immediate reaction is to think that I will end up enjoying this record more than Currents is because this seems like a little bit more of a well-realized version of that. Even if Currents I've just spent more time with, so I know it better. Um, so I like I don't see him revisiting like the old sounds of Lonerism anytime soon, but this well, is one of the few it- artists that like I am always going to love and appreciate that yeah, sound, no but like what. I want him to do anything he could make like a fucking folksy record and i bet it would be the best folks record that's what i was gonna say is we can't predict where he's gonna go because it's the same thing i mentioned this talking about frank ocean on uh on the decade list like whenever i talk about like my favorite producers of all time you get like frank kanye if you go rock you're talking like car seat headrest it's the sound of a historian it's someone who knows all of the music and at any given moment Kevin might just get super into early Bob Dylan or whatever. And he might release his take on it, which is beyond anything that we could like start to imagine. You know, we, we can't know he, maybe he gets an Olympus biscuit. you know, I think I puts think out some, <laughs> at this point he is less so looking back and more so looking forward. And I think that we are kind of bringing these preconceived notions of, of, of 20th century sounds into these records because that's what we have to go off of. But I think what this record proves more than anything else is that like he is forging an all new yeah, path. I, do you think that he's going full Giorgio by Mortar uh, Daft Punk thing where he's looking for a sound of the 60s, of the, the 70s, the 80s, and a sound 100%. of the future? I feel yeah. like that is he is the next generation's Giorgio. 
Yeah. That is that is the best comp for Kevin. Parker. Yeah, it's it's a marriage of past and future uh, that is wholly original because the future side of it has to be crafted by the person who makes it. There's exactly. no there's no template for that. There's a template for what to draw off, but, but the but end product is going to be different. For me, time. my at least my take is is inner speaker and lonerism were so much more so rooted in those mid century sounds. Um, or even like, yeah, like very '60s type psychedelia, where now with with currents and and slow rush, Tame Impala just sounds like Tame Impala. Like in my head, I can't yeah. really well, compare it to other things. It's well, there's just also itself. different. There's different influences now. I think I saw in one of the Spotify things that Mariah Carey influenced one of his Amazing. songs. Yeah, love he, it. I mean, he loves pop music. Yeah, like he, he. I mean, you don't just come up with a melody that's as catchy as on track. Like yeah. that is that is something that like Max Martin's whole life has led up to making melodies that are that catchy. You know, like he. He uh, he knows all of it, so it just is about like what he starts with, and then the ending point is something completely unpredictable. Danny, any final thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be really hard to beat this as album of the year for me. Same. <laughs> it's going to be really tough because I haven't heard an album this good in a hot minute. Uh, what would have to come out for it shit, to even man. come close? I don't even think Pretty Nothing. Let's could top this. Nothing. Yeah. Ooh, man. Bombay, yeah. uh, no. Bombay, well, Bombay well, Motorcycle Well, if Coheed just re-records an old album, I would probably <laughs> have to give it to Coheed. Yeah. Yeah. That's just me. A uh, new Good Eye Sniper. I don't think I don't <laughs> think there's anything that's going to come I mean, close to this. We, we talked about this before, but it just feels so good to know it's going to be good and for it to deliver. It Yeah, I had really warm, high expectations and damn it delivered. He, I mean, he cares a lot about the end product. Like, he wants it to be good really bad yes crazy standards haven't been i did do a little bit of looking at some reviews yeah, and they're down are, the middle like they're pitchfork. down the middle they're actually a little bit lower than currents reviews which was surprising to me because i do think that this is just easily like a more consistent album maybe it is that people are expecting to like be wowed by a big well, pop it's be- single it's because or something team like that. is more popular now than they were then yeah and, i guess the expectations are higher it's so not even expectations bar. it's just that publications like pitchfork do not want to give best new music to an, an already established artist when they built their reputation on get, sh- spotlighting small artists yeah like the fact they cannot be objective. They're incapable of it. They did the same thing with Vampire Weekend. I retweeted that thing about it because it's true. They have to give it an 8.0 because that's the lowest you can give it without giving it best. They gave music. it like an 8.2 yeah. or something. It's a it's like a political that. move. It has nothing to do with the quality of the album. So here's a here's something me and Joey were talking about. What do you? I know the answer, but what do you think is Kevin Parker's net worth? Oh, um, is it is that published? Like yeah, point, maybe for, between for, ten and fifteen mil. I'd say more. Well, he, he headlined Coachella. He's headlined yeah. I was Bonner gonna say I was year. thinking closer to fifty mil. Oh wow! Okay, forty to fifty. I might say seventy. Oh my god! What do you say? Well, I mean, what is the answer? The answer is a hundred mil. Yeah. Oh, so I, he's a Bloomberg head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude. dude the, so we've <laughs> established in the last two podcasts that Kevin Parker and Ted Danson are Bloomberg heads. So, so uh, Joey was like, you know, the GQ article makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> He's rich oh, as shit. Sure, yeah. he was those, a are, GQ those are his guy. fucking clothes. I bro. forgot about that. He was a GQ guy. I would have added an extra 50 million. He looks for that. absolutely angelic in that article. Dude, he can do whatever the hell he, he wants. Beautiful. Man. Well, here's, here's his pass I don't think he's an American citizen. 
So yeah. he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He can only vote in Australian elections. Uh, so he's fine. Yeah, he and they're doing they're doing more great. forest fires. Yeah. Australian not affected well, by the climate there, crisis. There's actually <laughs> he has. A, let's see if I can pull it up real quick. He has a song where he shouts out the um the fires well i mean i know he did the album release and he's doing a charity tour in australia right now that like all the ticket proceeds are going to the fire like to help stop like climate change and stuff in australia yeah you can't stop climate change it's coming for all of us no he's gonna build a money wall against it and it will keep out and he'll make the climate change pay for it okay so the song is tomorrow's dust and the lyric is uh, sympathy for the fauna, fauna, fragile life in the sauna, in the sea getting warmer, endlessly round the corner. Mm. So mm. we're all. So fucked. he's a flat earther, is what you're saying. Take me home, daddy. Well, we all love the album, and I think we it's okay. are excited for what's to come, and we're excited to listen to it. 12 more times and I'm, I'm ready. We might stop. have another big discussion on it whenever we realize that whatever other song is our new favorite song yeah. by the end of the yeah. year. So let us know what you thought. Um, hit us up at We Bought a Mic on Twitter. Thank you, Danny, for coming on. No problem. Always um, a pleasure. Yeah, we'll have you on again soon. And yeah, email us at WeBoughtAMic at gmail.com. Um, also, if I may... I will plug my appearance on the first and final frames podcast. Here we go. Um, <laughs> check that out. Talk some Cohen's. Talk some. Uh, it Batman. might be time to cancel the mm-hmm. podcast. Batman, the the Patty Batty Daddy. What does this mean? Ernest? How much <laughs> money are they paying us to sponsor them? There's no free ads on this podcast except for for White Claw. Make that guy retweet our pod account if you went on yeah. his fucking podcast. I'll tell him. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. We'll get the. Cloud. He's probably. This is the first episode. He this man's to got like twenty thousand like, followers they just on Twitter. Talk shit. That's all. For they real. Do about other people's podcasts yes and please retweet it yes yes um so thanks (laughs) thanks for listening thanks danny um yeah also listen to our catch-up and look out for more great stuff this month i don't know what else is coming it'll be Uh, fine portrait of a lady on fire baby it's time for you guys to watch it thanks for listening we love you it might be time to podcast Bye bye.